The Law Started Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Thanks for tuning in again this week for a new episode. Trisha and I wanted to let our listeners know that while we are continuing to release new episodes that are not directly related to the Black Lives Matter movement going on in the world around us, that does not mean that we have forgotten or that we are choosing to ignore the issues at hand. We stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, and we are committed to doing our part to undo the racist policies that are woven into society through systemic racism and oppression. If you want to know more about how to do that, one resource is our episode titled How to Communicate as a White Ally, Black Lives Matter. We encourage you to also continue the conversation with your family and friends to not let the momentum of this movement end. With that being said, we are happy you are here to learn new ways to be a better communicator. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today, we have another very special guest with us. His name is Kingsley Moyo, author of The R Factor. Kingsley is a relationship coach and consultant and founder of Relationship Factor. We're very much looking forward to hearing more about what he does. Welcome, Kingsley. Hey, welcome, Trisha. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Let's start off, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? You have a lot to your story, it seems, and you do a lot of things. So how did you get started in being interested in relationships and relationship coaching? Relationships and relationship coaching. Let's just say the day I was born, I was interested in a relationship with my mom because I wanted to have my mom all the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> Um, I, it's, it's, I would say probably, uh, later on in my, in my early, uh, late twenties, uh, um, uh, I've dabbled in a few careers in my past. I've, I've done a little bit of mechanical engineering. Uh, I've done pastoral work, uh, and now doing a little bit of some counseling. And it was during my years where I was dealing with congregations and people in the community. I saw that there was one piece that was always missing or dysfunctional and that caused all other things to be out of place. And that was relationships. You name it, mental health issues or stress, uh, depression, all these things that were happening within the community and in, within my friends, when you really looked at them is that some area of their lives, a relationship was off either childhood or with a spouse or with a friend and that kind of got me into this, this passion of relationships. So I did some training in it uh, just to kind of find out, okay, how do I uh, help? How can I be a solution to all of these challenges that are happening in the community? And there it was. I landed on relationships. And from there onwards, I started to build a journey, uh, speaking engagements, uh, um, weekends, retreats, um, coaching, and then the book rolled out and then it just, just took off. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Trisha and I are very big on relationship building. And I think we also have brains that are like really geared towards noticing difficulties and successes in a relationship. So that's so interesting. You're able to kind of create a career out of it. And that's yeah, that you're yeah. so passionate about it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it, it 
it's no longer a thing that I say I have to think about it. I pay attention to it. And I find most even now when I work in my local community, um, I get people just calling me up. Hey, um, I have this. And sometimes I don't even know them. Uh, just recently, I met a guy at a, uh, at a store and uh, just for confidential reasons, I won't even mention the store, at a store. And he just started telling me about his life challenges and like, hey, can we come and see you for coaching? Like, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Many countless stories that I get from that. I serve in my immediate community and more often it fits in within my immediate community. I never charge. It's just, it's just free. I just give it out because it's, I'm passionate about it. Wow. That's mm-hmm. amazing. So when you're coaching people, obviously relationships, well, we do have relationships with ourselves, so it could just be, okay, we're working on the relationship with yourself, but more often than not, I imagine you're working with multiple people. Do you ever work with people one-on-one and say, here's how you could repair your relationship with your mother, for example, or do you usually see people in with that relationship partner? Absolutely, because whether we like it or not, um, we are in a relationship with ourselves, and um, in order for us to show up in any other relationship uh, in a meaningful way, we have to have this relationship with ourselves figured out. Um, and sometimes we tend to think that we're not in a relationship. It's, it's interesting because when you talk about people and you say, uh, are you in a relationship? People will tend to say no. But that's not necessarily accurate because you are in a relationship with your neighbor. You talk with your neighbor. You are in a relationship with a grocery clerk. You talk with your grocery clerk. You are in a relationship with your friends and everybody around, that is a relationship. Relationship is not reserved for those who are dating and married. It's like, no, I'm not in a relationship. No, no, no. Come on, girl. <laughs> you are in a relationship. <laughs> so, yes, you have to work on yourself as well. So I get people that want to um, talk about their journeys, and more often it kind of uh, leans on to the self-worth side. And, and this self-worth is often sometimes affected and defined by past relationships. And if you'll notice my, my thesis or modus operandi or a mission or what governs what I do in relationship coaching and consulting is that relationships shape your identity. From the time you were born, the way you related to your mother, your family of origin really kind of defines how you show up in relationships it continues on into friendships. It continues on into adult relationships. Some people are anxious. They're always looking to see what's happening next. And it shows up in the relationship. If the boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't call them, they're worried. Why, why are you not calling me? It's just because of how you were when you were growing up as a child, always anxious. Or oh, am I going to be disciplined? I'm going to be yelled at. Uh, what are we going to do next? And some people are avoidant. It was a protective mechanism when you were growing up as a child to say, okay, it's going to hurt. Okay, I'm always not consulted. This happens to the middle child. Uh, <laughs> they tend to be. <laughs> are you a middle child, Trisha? I am. You're more, yeah, no, I'm yeah. the only child. Well, You're not. kind of. I was <laughs> the only child. Trisha's a middle child, yeah. Middle child. So you tend to be avoidant because the oldest one gets away with things, the youngest one gets away with things. It always falls in between, and you tend to be the one that reconciles things. And you almost tend to avoid things because you don't want to deal with it. And when you grow up in a relationship, you tend to always want your space. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the time. You tend to always want your space, and that might communicate somebody who's not interested in the relationship. No, 
you just you're just an independent woman you just want to always want your space so relationships shape your identity um even at work um even when you hang out with friends so i get people that want to have a conversation with just just on uh, just on their own and just interest recently i was talking to somebody who was struggling with a relationship closure and they were saying hey i want i want to i want to go on i but I, I just want to talk to this individual. I just want to find out why it happened. And the one thing that I told them was that sometimes we give power to the other individual to determine when the relationship has ended or not. It's like we're giving them the keys to our emotional thermostat. They can turn it on, or turn it down. And if they dare text me a message and say, I love you, those emotions come up again. But if they don't call or they feel like they're indifferent, my emotions are affected. So self, self needs to be worked on and grow before you deal with relationships in general. That speaks to me so much. <laughs> I'm currently, <laughs> I'm in a relationship, but like you said, I've been in a relationship my whole life with many people, <laughs> grocery store clerks <laughs> and such, but I'm also in a romantic relationship right now. But previous to that, whenever I had casually dated anyone, I always gave them the power for that mm. key, like you're saying. And uh. it's so interesting the way you put that because that's so true. We have to be confident in ourselves and understand ourselves and what we need and what we were missing in that previous romantic relationship so we don't give those keys to other people. I think that's really sitting with me right now. <laughs> I've so many thoughts based on everything you said first oh off. my Tricia <laughs> I feel so exposed because you hit the nail on the head with the middle child syndrome mm. but that's wonderful I hope anyone that's listening to middle child resonates with that too but one thing that I love that you did was clarified the the word relationship does so often refer to in our minds to just a romantic partnership but we have relationships with everyone all the time, including ourselves. And that's our platform of this show is communication to foster those relationships, not only with other people, but with ourselves. And so what is really fascinating about what you were just saying is how much emphasis on our upbringing and how much introspection we need to do in order for our relationships to thrive. So I'm just curious, how do you handle it when someone comes to you, for example, and they're trying to heal this relationship with someone else, but the other person isn't necessarily compliant. Maybe that other person doesn't want to work on the relationship. How do you work with someone to, to get through that if the other person's not in the picture or doesn't feel the need to put in as much effort? The power of self-talk. Um, when we communicate, say, for example, you on the other hand, I'm on the other hand, there's, uh, there's, there's three of us on this platform there's at least about uh, six conversations that are happening. The first two conversations that are happening, uh, the first one is in my head. As you were talking, I'm having a conversation in my head. Okay, she's wearing glasses. I wonder where she is. Okay, what is she doing? Okay, Molly. Hmm, Molly. Okay. All right, uh, Tricia. So there's a conversation that's happening in my head. And that conversation is informed by belief systems. And these belief systems are culture, uh, gender, uh, religion, race. And then the second conversation that happens is actually when I'm talking to you guys. So the exchange that we have, 
right? And the exchange that we have is not necessarily full picture of what's happening in my head. Same thing with Molly, same thing with Trisha. You are attaching meaning to the so many things that I'm saying. So for example, I could say something right now. Molly could get something. Trisha could get something. So if somebody is in a relationship where the other person is not, it's not happening, it's not working out, the first thing they need to pay attention to is the self-talk that they have, the belief system that they've created about this relationship. Number one, it could be that they feel like they, their self-worth is being determined by being in a relationship with that individual, even if they don't want to. So they feel like, I got to have this relationship. If I don't have this relationship, oh my goodness, I'm going to fall apart. It's... Oh, it's the end of the world. So that's a belief system. Where does that belief system come from? It may be because of the past relationships uh, that they had or their upbringing as a child that when they were growing up, their their self-worth or their identity was affirmed by other people around them. So now they grow up into being in a relationship. They feel like, I got to have this guy. There is no other person who understands. We say statements like that, by the way. No one really understands mm-hmm. me except him or her. Yeah, right. How many billion people are in the world? How many times have I said that myself? <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> so the power of self-talk. Uh, check your belief systems. Um, what do you believe about yourself? Do you believe you're lovable? Do you believe you're worth more? Do you believe that you are all that with a bag of chips? Do you believe that um, this is the only person that can give you satisfaction? What do you believe about yourself? And so you got to understand that about yourself before you go ahead and open up your emotional bank for other people to deposit dysfunctional and functional things. So I think in order for you to be able to work out things, first of all, determine, does this person want to be with me? If they don't want, you don't even need to ask the question why, because you're giving them the keys to emotional thermostat. <laughs> They've made a choice. Okay, all right. So i got to make a choice as well. Okay, do I want to be with them? Do I not want to be with them? Why do I want to be with them? Check my belief system. They've decided, you know what, they don't want. It's different when somebody says, hey, you know what, um, I think we need to work on our relationship. Okay. Seems like there are things that are off. Well, maybe we could kind of work on that. If they say, yo, dude, I don't like you. I'm moving on. <laughs> dude, just move on. <laughs> just move on. If, 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 if the dude says, girl, I'm not interested in you. Uh, just, 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 just let it go. Otherwise, you just create scars. And I can imagine oh. if, like, someone's wearing that lens of "I need that person to complete me." The way they interpret that message is completely different than the way the person is sending that message. So there's probably right. so many communication breakdowns. Right. So right. what comes to mind for me, though, is wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where everyone that wasn't interested in someone just said, hey, get over me and I don't like you. But I feel like that's not what happens often. A lot of the time people will hide this and they'll string you along and maybe text sporadically or something like that. So how do you help people understand, is this person actually not interested or am I creating this story in my mind or vice versa? Does that make sense? Like, it, it does. It, it does. Uh, we have a lot of blurred boundaries. Um, our boundaries are not clear. Sometimes our boundaries are not clear because we want to leave hope for people to come in and out. And that can be 
detrimental to our growth and how we do uh, relationships. So, for example, um, uh, Molly, I'm just going to pick on you because you mentioned you in a relationship. Maybe let's not talk about your current list. Let's talk about the past one. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Trish, you're not in a relationship. I'm just picking on Molly. <laughs> so let's just say um, um, you were in that relationship and um, he say he wasn't interested in, in, in you anymore, but he never really uh, told you that um, he's interested. He would send text messages um, and not call you for three, four days um, and continue on like that. And you, you got these mixed feelings. The reality is the boundaries were not clear there. Um, you have to be clear and stated that, dude, if you want to be in my life, this is how you show up. It might mean it's going to hurt for you, um, but you got to be clear on those boundaries that, dude, if you want to be in my life, you got to show up. If you're present, you're present. If you're absent, you're absent. And the also reality is that if you do say that, they might actually take you up on that offer. And sometimes you, you don't really mean that. <laughs> so you got you to be clear on those boundaries, set clear boundaries this is what I want. This is what I don't want. I think what's so interesting, yeah, is in the past, my lens is I would be so lucky to have somebody else versus what I am now. Somebody would be so lucky to be with me. I like that. <laughs> I like that. When you're saying that, like, hey, do you want to be with me or not? It was not like that at all. It was always like, please, I really, really, really want this to work. But I'm not going to say anything very clearly because that's too scary. So, right. again, I'm sure so many people are in that boat. And it's so important to listen to what you're saying and start from the inside. Work on what you need to do and communicate with yourself. How are you talking to yourself? What is your self-talk? Just like you said, so key. And, and sometimes it could come in the form of, of writing things down. Um, um, we, we rehearse to go for our interviews to get a job because we want to put our best foot forward. Uh, um, we rehearse for so many things. Sometimes it might be a school recital, piano, uh, speech, or a whole lot of things. We rehearse for a whole lot of things because these things are meaningful. Why don't we rehearse conversations that we want to have with people that are going to chip away pieces of our life, uh, turn our emotional lives upside down, create scars? We can rehearse this conversation, write it down. Okay, so I'm going to have this conversation with so-and-so. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. And you prepare yourself. And you could easily start by using statements, I feel like. Because when you go to a conversation, say, you never, you always, oh my goodness, there goes <laughs> conflict and that doesn't go well. So you can rehearse, write these things down. I feel like, I would like, I appreciate, and then get into it. I, that's so important because you're right. We spend so much time preparing for work or preparing for professional endeavors or preparing other things, preparing for our health and spend time working out and things like that. But I feel often we take relationships for granted because we just expect them to work. We just expect it to come naturally. Well, if it's meant to be, it'll just be easier. Even with right. like, I'm a cool person. I have, I should have a lot of friends. And it's like, no, you actually have to work really hard and, I believe relationships are the most important thing we have, far superior to your job, far superior to 
anything else. It's your relationships and bonds with other people. So I just really appreciate you mentioning that. Yes, take time to prepare for those conversations because that's what will build your relationships with other people. That's true. The work on yourself. Um, Einstein has this phrase that a problem cannot be solved in the same level of consciousness it was created. So in order for you to show up in a relationship, you got to change your mindset. The self-talk needs to be checked. It needs to be challenged. <laughs> and what's his name? Henry Ford said, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. So we fail even before we begin challenging in some of these uh, uh, preconceptions, social constructs that we see on social media. My goodness, social media, the mm. death of us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so there's a whole lot of shift in mindset that needs to happen. How do you think social media has impacted our relationships today? I know that's a big question. I, th- I, th- I think for the first time, self-worth has become measurable. Mm. You post a picture. You get two likes. Ah, oh, I'm not pretty enough. Or oh, maybe that wasn't good enough. Post a picture and you get 120 likes. Okay, you feel good about yourself. You feel good about yourself. And I think, in my opinion, that has affected so many people. Um, take 20 pictures just to post one picture. That's self-worth. I, I talk with, um, I mainly deal with millennials. That's, that's who my passion is. Uh, millennials and Gen Z a little bit, millennials. And the other time I had a conversation with... Uh, this was a Gen Z, by the way. And she was saying that, well, I just only posted a picture uh, and I only got 10 likes. And you could feel and see her voice and facial expression that she felt like she was not worth anything. And social media causes that. You're keeping up with the Joneses. Look at your friends that you went to school with. Everybody's dating. People are getting married. People are having babies. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still single and we equate singleness with loneliness that's a lie mm. people are married and they're lonely people are dating and they're lonely so social media throws out all these things that affect the way we process life and show up in life and when you really think about it social media only gives you a snapshot we're having this conversation <laughs> we're having fun Guess what? Who knows what Molly is going to do after this? Maybe Molly is going through depression. Maybe I'm going through anxiety. Trish is going to be having a blast with her dog. Um, This is just a snapshot. Our listeners are just thinking, my goodness, I hope this podcast is cool. Okay, yeah. (laughs) This podcast was cool. Oh, man, I really enjoy these people. Kingsley, Molly, and Trisha. They seem like cool people. You know what? I'm going to find them on social media and all that stuff. You know, they'll follow us and find us and they'll find the best picture of us. But when we're done now, it's like, what am I going to do next? Life. And that's where you get all these suicidal things happening because we only get a snapshot of life. And that snapshot of life begins to influence and determine how we do life. And yet we're all in this. I'm struggling. Girl, you're struggling. Molly, you're struggling too. (laughs) We're just making it in life. And we get the ups and the downs. So I think social media puts out the wrong picture that people run with. 
and it messes up everything else. I imagine then you do a lot of work with people on their self-talk around social media, or do you recommend people avoid it altogether? Or how do you coach people on not using those metrics to evaluate their own self-worth? Social media is a tool. I'm on social media. I don't always post all the time. I do post. Social media is um, a tool. Um, It's interesting because some people are being used by social media and they're not using social media. Mm. So you gotta, you gotta be able to decide uh, and set some boundaries intentionally with your social media. How am I going to use it? Am I going to use it to determine uh, what my life is going to be? Or am I going to, is it going to use, uh, use me? And again, it comes to boundaries. Uh, when I go to bed, um, I put my phone on a charger all the way in the dress. In fact, I just started doing this recently because I noticed that sometimes I go to bed on my phone, wake up on my phone, and I'm going to bed. My wife is there. She's on the phone, and I'm on the phone. And we constantly have to check it and be like, hey, uh, maybe it's time to put down phones. Set boundaries, dinner table. <laughs> I would say if, let's just say we met up in, in Belgium. I'm just picking a place. Hey, Molly. Hey, Trisha. Let's go for lunch. Guess what is going to be on the table? Our phones. Mm-hmm. And we say we're having a conversation. If my phone buzzes, it's just like, I pick it up. And Trisha's going to be scrolling through. And she's looking at the same picture she looked at five minutes ago. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and, and so you got to set boundaries, be intentional, and you got to do it repetitively. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a proponent of staying away from social media, but if you find that it's becoming dysfunctional, it's causing you stress and anxiety, then, yeah, maybe you need to take a social media fast. And that's difficult. Go for a day, a week. I really like how you said use social media, don't let social media use you. That's a really great mindset to have because I think you're right. And Trisha and I have said this again on the podcast before that social media isn't going away. Technology is not going away. Let's figure out how to use it to our advantage and grow from it instead of letting it take over and you right. know, terrorize our self-thoughts. Right, right, right. Cool. Very amazing insight. So tell us a little bit about your book. You recently wrote a book called The R Factor. What is that? What can we expect from that? Yeah, yeah. The R Factor. Well, The R Factor is a, is a comprehensive book on, on relationship. Uh, it deals with uh, family, um, intimacy, and, uh, and friendships. Um, really, the premise of the book is relationships shape your identity. Uh, in the book, you'll understand how all types of relationships kind of influence the way you, uh, you, you, you make decisions, um, how you relate with your mom, your friends, your boyfriend, girlfriend, it affects how you, how you show up in relationships. In the book, you'll also discover how to enhance your, uh, your relationship quality, um, and you can create a, a capacity to create healthy relationships and believe it or not everybody has a pattern of how you do things um some people when they go into the kitchen they put the the, the it's interesting how we talk about how we do things at kitchen do you put the milk first and the syrup <laughs> or do you put people will go on and on about that with your coffee do you put the sugar first or 
Do you pull the coffee first? And so we have a pattern of how we do relationship. And in the book, you'll discover how to break free from toxic habits that you've developed. Um, and I, I approach this from different things, expectations, conflict, um, uh, the power of relationships, and really changing the odds of how you can do and build healthy relationships. I'm, I'm, I was excited about this project. It's my first book. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, if you get a copy, you will definitely enjoy reading the book. I was going well, to have gotten so many nuggets from this episode. I can't imagine what a whole book would hold. So <laughs> definitely putting it in my cart. Yes. Yeah. I am definitely purchasing that book. And I just, based on what you said about relationships being the thing that shapes us, just curious your thoughts on this question. So, you know, they say that you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I don't know your thoughts on that, but how do you suggest, and I know this is probably a very loaded question, so you can, then maybe it's in your book, and we'll just off the top of your head, how do you recommend people choose quality friends? Because they know it's very easy for us to get into toxic friendships or toxic romantic relationships or toxic employee, like colleague relationships. And so then you're surrounded by these people that are not shaping you for shaping a good experience for you. So how do you help people or what do you suggest people do to make sure that they are spending time with those quality relationships? Oh, I'm going to throw you off with this one. Um, Before you even talk about having toxic friends, Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why you have toxic friends is because you are toxic. Makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason why you gravitate to something is because you find it as attractive and normal. Um, our ideas of normal are shaped by our past. So in order for me, when I show up in a relationship where somebody is actually abusive and I tolerate that abuse, it means that somewhere along the line in my life, I had that kind of abuse show off and I dismissed it or I accepted it as normal. And then when I went into a relationship with friends or anyone else, traces of that kind of behavior was there. It was normal and toxic, and I stayed. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to be able to deal with all of that, you got to look back to your family of origin. Um, Your moms, your dads, your uncles, your siblings. How did you deal with conflict? How did you deal with money? How did you deal with fights? Um, how how were sexual issues addressed? Um, how, what was the conversation around those topics and all those things? Of course, there's many other things. What was the conversations about those things? When you fought in your house, did everybody just go to their room and you never spoke about it? Um, when you when you had challenges or struggles in the house. Did you do toxic things where you used to binge watch TV or you'd leave the house and go play with your friends and just come back home just to come and sleep? How did you deal with all of these things? Because all of those things follow you into your adult friendships and your adult relationships. So before you start looking at, ah, so-and-so is a bad friend. No, 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 no. You are a bad friend. That's why you kick it and hang out with them. So check your belief systems. Mm-hmm. 
So right. if you understand your belief systems and you change your belief system by default, you will be attracted and attract those that are similar to you. My thought after you explain that is what if someone is quote unquote dealt a bad hand, you know, their mother just isn't a great mother or they were an abusive situation as a child. How do you, how do you help people get out of the mindset of this is just the way I am? This is how I was raised. And that's, you know, nothing can change about me now. It, it, it's true because when you're dealing with, a. Uh, uh, trauma or abuse, it takes on a different uh, uh, role. Uh, I would say you definitely need to speak to somebody, um, seek counseling, because sometimes for people that have had that as normal, it's difficult to shake it off. You know, sometimes people say, no, just shake it off. Just get over it. No, for some people, it's not just as easy as get over it. When you're talking about sexual abuse, you're, you're, you're talking about physical abuse. You're talking about kids who watched as their mom was being beaten by their dad or their mom's boyfriend. You're talking about people that grew up in single homes. So it's not just shake it off. And sometimes it gets difficult because you hear these success stories. And by the way, I don't like listening to success stories whereby, you know what, I grew up like this. I used to live in a trailer park over homeless. I made it. Now I'm a millionaire. And you're thinking... Where's my million? <laughs> I grew up in a home with mom and dad. Where's my million? And 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 you feel like I should just be able to just shake it off. It, it, it's difficult. Uh, bet you all those individuals had somebody who poured into their lives. Mm. Uh, somebody who imparted wisdom and guided them and counseled them into journeying through in their life. So I would say speak to somebody. So to so tell you what, uh, in fact, this is actually what I'm going to do for anyone who's listening on this podcast. Um, I'm going to offer anyone who's listening on this podcast, whether you're single, uh, you're in a relationship, you're in marriage. I'm going to offer anyone who reaches out to me and mentions um, uh, the loss out of communication on their contact that, um, hey, you said I should reach out to you. Um, I'm, I'm reaching out because I listened to the podcast on the loss out of communication. I'm going to offer them, um, let's say, two sessions free, uh, two 45-minute sessions free. Uh, and these are easily uh, uh, $320 worth sessions for free just to work with them, to get them started on a journey of uh, how they can navigate and build from this and there's a catch though um you have to do this within the first seven days the podcast airs so if the podcast drops on august 20 uh, pick a date 27 or september 5 it's only good for the first seven days after that so you gotta uh, listen to the podcast reach out to me, just connect with me and just say, hey, I'm reaching out. I listened to the podcast from The Lost Out of Communication. Um, and I, I, I want to work through this. Can you help me through? So I'll give him two 45-minute sessions whereby they could talk with somebody. Uh, we can journey together and kind of help them because it's real. Some people don't always have the option of speaking to somebody. Let's face it, counseling is expensive. Not anybody can afford it. So I'm going to offer that. What an amazingly generous offer. Thank you. Sure. I want to take you up on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I'll, I'll, hey, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. 
podcast. <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> yeah, sure. So much. It's been fantastic having you on the episode. We always try and end our episode with one takeaway. So <laughs> based on all of the amazing things that you said, what is one thing that you would want to hand off to our listeners as a final thought? Huh. I didn't say this, but I'm really passionate about this. It is a conflict. Um, There's a tendency for people to think that you did me wrong. So you are the one who's supposed to apologize. And the way I approach a conflict is that conflict always has two sides. Say you and Molly are arguing. um, And let's just attach figures. Molly is 5% responsible for the conflict and Trisha is 90%, 95% responsible for the conflict. Molly would tend to say, well, Trisha, you wronged me. You need to come and apologize. You have affected me. I am not talking to you. And Trisha goes into this mode of, forget you, girl. I have been around you. Forget you. And they, that creates conflict. But I approach conflict from a different perspective. I would say, Molly, you are 100% responsible for your 5%. Trisha, mm-hmm. you're 100% responsible for your 95%. So if both of you are 100% responsible for your contribution to the conflict, guess who gets to approach the other person and say, I'm sorry, and, and seek reconciliation? It's both. You don't wait for the other person. I find that a whole lot of friendships have been broken, relationships have been broken because they feel like I have been wronged. 10 years, 20 years. Uh, this podcast, how long has this podcast been running from? About a year and a half. A year and a half. Can you imagine there's a conflict that happens and the podcast falls apart because Molly just can't seem to get it and she feels like Trisha needs to apologize and it falls apart. But if what if both of you just said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to own up to my 5%. I'm 100% responsible. And then, yo, Trisha, I'm sorry, girl. I, I messed up. And Trisha's like, yeah, I'm sorry too. So that's a takeaway that I... I think our listeners need to adopt with your friends. Uh, when you hang out with friends and something happens, don't wait to say, hey, you wronged me in your relationships. Don't wait for your, for your spouse or your, whoever it is who you're, who you're dating to say, I'm sorry. Um, don't wait for your sister or your mom or your dad. <laughs> That's the only dad you have. That's the only sister or brother you have. Uh, for the only child... That's the only family you have. <laughs> so don't wait for them to come and say, we're sorry. Go. Even if it's you got that 1%, you're 100% responsible for that. Let's build healthy relationships. I'm passionate about building healthy relationships. Yeah, so that's that's my takeaway. I, Run with it. Do whatever you want to do with it. <laughs> I love well, that. It reminds me of this saying that marriage isn't 50-50. It's 100-100. You got it. And so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So you want to go ahead and find me at uh, relationshipfactor.org. Um, at relationshipfactor.org, you can get some free resources there. Um, shoot me a message and uh, just check me out. And also, I have my podcast coming out, and I believe by the time this airs, my podcast will be out. It's Relationship Factor. You will find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts. You'll find it there. Check it out. Uh, send me a review, 
And my book, R Factor, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's on, uh, um, you can get the digital copy. You can get the actual copy. Yeah, and also on Instagram, uh, Relationship Factor. Um, yeah, yeah. One quick question. Did you do the voice recording for your your audio? You said there's an audio version of your book? Or no, you sorry. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a Kindle, digital copy, mm-hmm. digital copy. Sorry, you have I, the I, luxurious I, voice to listen to. <laughs> you should definitely do an audio version. Do the voiceover yourself. I think that would be a amazing success I, i'm working on that i'm working on, good, to, good to hear that you mentioned that i'm working on that hey you never know <laughs> <laughs> perfect well thank you so much kingsley we loved having you on the podcast we'll link all of your socials and book and website in the show notes so please check them out and have a good day thank, thank you, you have a good day, day.